Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. So the title of my message in, ah, good, Ivy is, you guys are on it, because I changed it slightly uh, from what I had emailed in, and uh, so yeah, they, they've updated it, because I wasn't sure if it would be updated. So in the potter's hand, process and product. Um, just want to share with you what the Lord has just shared with me. Um, the importance of the process and not necessarily the product or result. Um, so many times we focus on the result, you know, the end product, where we're going, let's get there, let's get it done, let's make this happen. We're result-oriented kind of community, society, world. We want, to, we want the end product and we want it right away. Um, but so much of our lives is about the process and not necessarily about the end result. Um, the end result, if you're a Christian, is already taken care of, but it's the process of living this life now on earth that is important, and how you live it is important. Um, so we want to be like Jesus, and we want to be there so bad that we forget to focus on or appreciate the process that he's taken us through to be more like him. And ultimately, if we live on this earth, we're not going to be like him in this body. So we're going to have to be redeemed and and be like him in the afterlife for when he comes back for us. And we'll get a new body and it'll be a new world and it'll be different. So ultimately we're reaching for something that we'll, we'll, we'll ultimately see, but we're so focused on the results and not the process that he's taken us through. And I'm reminded of that, and this may not be your traditional Christmas kind of sermon, <laughs> but it reminds me of that because it's how... He's talking about how Jesus began. We're talking about his birth. We're celebrating his birth. Um, and um, Jason kind of looked at some scriptures, read some scriptures to you earlier about his birth and how what a humble beginning he had. Um, and looking at that in the world sense, you would not have thought that his end would have started because of his beginning. Looking at his beginning, you would say, oh, he's just a regular person, you know. He he was born in a barn. There's nothing glorious about that. There were some pigs and animals around him. It smelled. Uh, probably didn't, it didn't look good. It wasn't the, probably the best kept barn. It didn't say it was the nicest barn in the in the the city. It was just a barn out back because the hotel was full. The inn was full, and it wasn't even nice. The innkeeper wasn't even nice enough to say, "Oh, this pregnant woman, let me send someone else out there and let me make room for him here." It's like, "Hey, you go out back," because they were just regular people doing regular stuff in a regular world at that time. And little did he know, that innkeeper know, what was going to be birthed. And little did the world know uh, what ultimately Jesus would do to change the world. And I present that to you, that your beginnings does not necessitate where you are now, or your situation that you're in now, does not determine your end or your result, your ultimate result, where you're going to end. And what God is going to do to you. So the, pro- so the process that you're going through, sometimes we get so upset about it and so anxious because we're going through this process. And it's like, I'm ready for it to be over with. I'm ready for the result. And it's never really over with. We're going to live this life until you die. And then we're, if you, you're a Christian, you're going to have eternal life. So it's never really over with because we're living our eternal life now. Um, but ultimately, we will get that result if we stick with him. Uh, the Christ that we're celebrating in this season. I just want to share with you a couple of things. 
about the process and the product, um, and ultimately we're in the potter's hands through it all. Um, but in this process, it says, in Philippians 1, 6, it talks about, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he started the work in you, and he will bring it to completion. It is not up to you to make the result happen. It is up to him to make the result happen. No one looks at the potter or the pot, the clay, and says, hey, hurry up and make yourself. You know, no one's saying that to the clay. It is the creator, the person who's making it, that's taking the time to create it and form it. And so he knows what he's wanting to get out of you, and he will create in you and create you the way he sees fit. And he started the good work, and he will finish the good work in you. Uh, Romans 12.2 talks about being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we're going to focus on that transform for a moment. And that transform, you probably heard this means metamorphi or metamorphi, metamorphi um, in the Greek. And being transformed is not a one-day thing. Even though we get we look at the movie Transformers and think, oh, it just happens so fast. You just kind of, you're in one form, and then all of a sudden it makes the, and you're a different thing. You started out as a car, and now you're an airplane, or you're a person. You're running around, and it just happens so fast. And so in our lives, we think we should be transformed just like that. It should just be, you know, hey, I should hear that background music, and it should be some thunderous applause and loud boom, and, hey, I should be where I am, or where I should be. You know, I should be where, what God wants me to be, and I should be just on the spot, and I should be doing everything that he wants me to be and do. And that is not the case. Um, we are transformed, and it takes time to transform this body and this mind. And sometimes we focus on that transform part because we focus on the exterior, uh, but it reminds us that it is a renewing of the mind. It's just not the physical outward part that you see that will be changed, which will be changed, but the inward man will be changed. Um, you know, I had, a, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I think Dietrich had a car when we were in college, and she was mad with me for sharing it. Um, <laughs> but um, it had a, the door, the, wind, the door wouldn't open from the inside, so you had to kind of roll the window down. Everyone's had that kind of car, right? You know, you had to roll the window down and reach out to open the door. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I, and so she got a new car. I remember her, her um, she got a, a, a new, newer car. And because we had, I had ridden that car so long, and I got into the habit of rolling down the window and opening the door, that when she got the new car, I still would sent, sent, uh, catch myself, get ready to roll down the window to get out. And it was like, oh, I don't have to do that. I could just, you know, open it up. So, and I don't even know how long she had that car and, and when it transitioned. Um, but that's how it takes time to change your behavior, to change your habit. It, and it takes time even in the physical to change your habit, but internally to change your mind, to transform your mind by the renewing of your mind. Um, it is not a one-day task. It is not a two-week, 30-day fast and then... It's all going to click and everything's going to line up. It's not going to happen that way. 
don't be, I hope I'm not disappointing you if you thought that's what it should be. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to spoil Santa for some of you. Um, but it does not happen that way, that it is a process. And we need to appreciate the process and not focus on where we're going and when we get there, but appreciate when I'm going through the trials and the tribulations that are shaping me and changing my mind, I need to appreciate that um, because it's, it's for my benefit. It is changing me to be more like him. So why am I rushing this process? Because ultimately he is in control. He, in his timing, will make me the way I need to be made when I need to be made. Um, so I read some, some commentary. It says this word was properly referred to as an external appearance, but the expression is definitely used when you talk about renewing your mind. It's not just the external, but it's also looking at the internal. And the whole man changes. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out with fear and trembling. For it is good, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Did he say it was you who worked in you? Your neighbor, your spouse, your children? Sometimes it feels like they're working in you. God knows. <laughs> You're working on my last nerve. <laughs> but it is him who is working in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his bad purpose, his detriment in for you, his ultimately crucifix. No. His good purpose, to fulfill his good purpose in you. He has a good and expected purpose and end for you. Um, so let us, let us appreciate the process. Jeremiah 18, and we, wanna, um, and we, don't, we, could, we can look at that. Jeremiah 18, verses um, 1, talks about Jeremiah, the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there you caused thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so that uh, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the clay, to his neighbor, <laughs> to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, said the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand. So are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Isn't that comforting to know that I am in his hand throughout this process? No matter what I feel like, how he's squeezing me, and how he's watering me, and how he's pinching me in other areas, and he's cutting off things, and he's shaping me and molding me. And that process does not look good. In the process, I looked at some at YouTube, some people doing pottery, and it's dirty. They get all dirty and, you know, hands, and they have to keep the water, and, and it, the wheel is spinning. Sometimes it's going real fast, and sometimes it's going real slow, and then sometimes it looks misshapen a little bit, but he's cupping it in his hand as he's shaping you and molding you. Isn't it comforting to know that I'm in his hand? Jeremiah 19, Jeremiah 29, 11, 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
Isn't that good to know? And he had plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. And, and, uh, and it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That is good to know. That he will hear me when I pray and listen to me. And when I seek him, I will find him. <laughs> um, so I just want to leave you with four things to appreciate in this process and in this season um, and in this world that is so result-oriented. And we're always wanting the end product, that we need to take the time and really enjoy the process. Because a lot of times I, I run, I enjoy running, and I tell people that I don't normally run trails because when you run in trails, you're normally in a scenic route, and there's small, and there's rocks and trees, and it's not, as, it's not paved road, and I, really, I prefer the paved, trail, paved trails or road. Um, but when you're running trails, it's harder because you have to, pay, I, to me personally, you have to pay attention to where you're stepping because you could hurt yourself. And I get caught up in the beauty of nature sometimes. And so looking, it's like, oh, man, this is so beautiful. And, and then I wind up tripping <laughs> or almost or rolling my ankle or doing something. So I say, stay away from trails as much as possible. I try to run the paved roads. But sometimes this is, it is good to take the time to really enjoy the, na- the beauty of what's around you. And, what, what, and see things how God really sees it. And sometimes if we really take a deep breath and really look at us and look at our lives and see it the way God sees it, we will be, much, we will be pleased at what he sees. We'll be like, Man, this is the beauty of this world and the grace and mercy that he's shown on us and in our lives and things that I should have gone through I didn't go through and the things that I went through made me who I am today, and I wouldn't take that away, even though in the, in the midst of that, I didn't like it and didn't feel good. But, man, what the beauty of what came out of that is so great. And so I really appreciate the process. I appreciate the struggle and the pain and the strife. And I can't always say that in the midst of that, but God knows looking back on that, I was like, God, God I really thank you for all that you brought me through. Uh, so when going through life process, we must, one, Endure. That doesn't sound sexy or nice <laughs> or, or, or real up to, you know, it's not 2012 or 20, oh, going to be 2013. We have to endure. That's not one of those nice words, you know. You're going to have to endure some things. Uh, endure means to hold against, to sustain without impairment or yielding, undergo, to bear without resistance or with patience, tolerate. Um, I can't endure these insults. Uh, to admit of, to allow, to bear. None of that sounds nice. <laughs> None of that sounds like, yay, yay, we're going to endure. No one goes out on a parade for endurance. Um, but you have to endure. James 5.11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is pitiful and of tender mercies. So behold, we count it, we count them happy which have gone through some things, which have been patient, which have sustained, which held against the beating of this world. And they took a lick and they kept on ticking and they didn't give up and they endured. 
Christian teaches, uh, Christianity teaches men to be joyful under troubles. Such exercises are sent from God's love. The trials and the way of duty will brighten our graces now and our crown at last. Let us take care in times of trial that patience and not passion is set to work in us. Whatever is said or done, let patience having the saying and doing of it. So no matter what you're going through, be patient and endure it. Um, Psalms 20, verses 3 through 5, and I have several scriptures here. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, you can look at the prodigal son. He endured some things before returning home. One of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible is Romans 8:28, and we'll go back to that later. Where it says, all things work together for my bad. All right, you're paying attention. Good. <laughs> Good. All things work together for my good. Did it say some things, a few things? All things work together for my good. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of, among many brethren. Psalms 119.71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. No one screams that out. <laughs> it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It doesn't sound nice. I know. No one says that. And that's not when your Christmas, you don't see that on a Christmas banner outside anyone's house. It is good that we are afflicted. <laughs> we, we, but it is important. So we appreciate the process. Because the process teaches us something. All right, so second thing, one, we must endure. Two, in this process of enduring or in life process, uh, we cannot make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances or situations. And a lot of times that is what hurts us as the children of God, that we are in a situation that is temporary and we make a permanent decision not looking at what God has for us or what he's promised and known that he's promised us something, but we rush it. Perfect example. Now I'm not going to pick. On, I'm going to pick on Sarah. <laughs> but Genesis 16, it talks about Sarah and Abraham, and God had promised Sarah a child. Sarah and Abraham, but Sarah was not happy with the process. She wanted the result. She wanted the product. She wanted this to happen, and she was going to make it happen because she was result-oriented. She was a good wife, and she said, hey, you know, Abraham's taking, God's taking too long. We're going to make this happen here. Here's my slave uh, worker, my Egyptian slave named Hagar. You go with her, and we're going to have this child. It hurt. <laughs> Actually, use some other words. Uh, but Sarah, I'm sure, regretted making a permanent decision in a temporary circumstance uh, that changed the, her life and the life of the children of Israel forever, even now. That Hagar's child and, and, and um, Abraham and Sarah's child war against one another. Um, so, and she began, uh, Sarah, after making this decision, she regretted it. She was like, you know, now she, and she blamed Hagar. She said, now it's Hagar's fault. She's making fun of me because she's with child and I'm with, not with child and I'm barren and I'm going to send her away. 
uh, no, Hagar winds up leaving because she's like, I'm not taking this mess. You did this. <laughs> Didn't make any sense. But that's how we are, isn't it? We make a decision. The decision don't work out for us. Then we get mad at the people who we made a decision for or whatever they have. We get mad with the circumstances and then blame God for the decision we made and the predicament we got ourselves into. And so, and it was interesting. You can read the story of Genesis 16. It's interesting how Abraham responds. It was like, uh, you know, hey, you do with it what you want. <laughs> if you want to send her away, that's fine. But then the Lord speaks to Hagar and she comes back. Um, but that is perfect example of looking at things, uh, looking at a temporary situation and making a permanent decision based off a temporary situation. It is dangerous, and we we should not do that at all. And people do it all the time, whether they come to church and they don't like something, so they make a permanent permanent decision. We're going to leave the church based off of this one thing, and that changes the course of their lives. We, do, we may not see how that changes the course of their life, but... I'm sure it changes the course of their life when you make a permanent decision based off a temporary circumstance. And we, and we do this a lot. And uh, we really need to seek godly counsel. We really need to um, watch that and be careful that we are following him and his leave and let him do the work and not us try to, as the clay, trying to tell God what to do in our lives and how to do it and when to do it and how fast to do it. Appreciate the process. Uh, Hebrews 12 5.13 says, <laughs> excuse me, um, it says, I'll skip down, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and who he scourges, every son whom he receives. Uh, and it goes down to some of your earthly fathers you know, would discipline their own children. How much more uh, do you think God loves you? that he's going to discipline you and, and train you to be the person that he wants you to be and causing you to be. Uh, 12, if you jump down to 12, it says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down in the feeble knees and make straight paths your feet so that what is lame may, be, may not be dislocated but rather be healed. It's talking about healing even in the chastening, uh, you know, even in discipline. There's healing in that. Psalms 32, 8. And nine says, I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. Did he say the worst? He said the best. I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. Isn't that good? That's good news. If we just listen to his advice, he's going to do it in his timing. And that his grace and his mercy, he's going to make sure it happens. If you turn around, I'm not going to go here. Oh, maybe I will because I like this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Romans 9, 16, 21. You know, when you're preparing for a message, and I, I, I don't know, Pastor, I think Pastor Taylor does it too. But you have all this stuff, you know, that you want to get out. Uh, but you know you're just like, man, I can't keep these people here an hour, two hours, three, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but you have all this stuff, and so it's like, man, I don't have time to say all this. Uh, but Romans 9, 16 through 21, we're going to jump down to 19. We can read, read, read the rest. But it says, one of you would say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to, the, to who 
to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out the same lump of clay, some pottery for special purposes and for some common uses? Can he do not what he wants with what he's creating and what he's making? Is it up to you to make that decision or is it up to him? Are you living your own life? I'm grown. You know, your children are, you know. I'm grown. I can do what I want to do. Really, are you really grown? You know, because I have a father that I have to go to, and I'm submitted on authority, so I'm not as grown as, you know, the world may say we are. Um, and that's contrary to the world's way of doing things. Even as an adult, I'm submitted. I can't do what I want to do when I want to do it because I have a father who's instructing me and telling me where to go and what to do. Um, Number three, so one is endure, two is don't make uh, permanent decisions and temporary situations and circumstances. And number three, let your light shine, which is also mean, and also put in parentheses, don't forget your testimony. When you look at Second, second Corinthians, um, we're going to start in chapter three, and we're going to jump down to four, and I'm going to skip through, so uh, just for expedite time, but let your light shine, don't forget your testimony. It says in chapter 3, starting at verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with every increasing glory which comes from me. No, it's not. (laughs) You're not paying attention. The Lord's glory are being, we are being transformed into his image with every increasing glory, ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Therefore, starting in chapter four, therefore, since God, through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this glory displayed in the face of Christ. We have this in our jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We can't make this happen. We can't do it. And we must let our light shine so that others will see that it's not about us, but it is about him. We must tell our testimonies so others will know, man, you went through that and you look, you made it through. You don't even have the smell of fire on you. As the Hebrew boys, you know, you went through the fiery furnace and you made it through. There is hope 
for me when you tell your testimony. When someone knows that you can go through a trial and tribulation and let his glory shine in this clay vessel. It is not about what I can do or what results I can make happen or what I can produce. But it's about him and his glory in me, working in me to show the world our God and his glory. We can't, as earthly, earthly vessels and jars of clay, take anything. All we can do is sit on the shelf and be used when he pulls us. But it is always about him. So we want to endure. We, want to make, uh, we don't want to make permanent decisions in a temporary situation. We want to let your light shine, uh, which is also don't forget your testimony. We want to tell people, you know, hey, this is where I've come from. This is what God has brought me a mighty long way. And there's power in that. Um, and then four, we want to persevere and let God finish his work. Uh, when a persistent persevere means to persist in anything undertaken, maintain a purpose in spite of the difficulties or obstacles or discouragements that are around us. <coughs> so no matter what is going on, I'm persevering. I am sticking with God. I don't have an option. I don't have a choice. What, what are my other options if not God? Who am I going to go to? Who's going to deliver me? Who's going to save me? Who's going to set me free? Who's going to bless me? Who's going to keep me in the midst of the storm? Who is? Who? Nobody but God. Where, what are my other options? So I must, we must persevere. We must persist. And when he's put us on that pot, on that wheel, we can't, as clay, say, I'm walking off. So I'm tired of this. You know, I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm walking off. James 1 says, consider it pure joy. 1 and 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whether you cause it, whether God caused it, whether the enemy caused it, many kinds of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And it goes on. And let perseverance finish its work. You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We must persevere. I want to get to one other scripture here, I think. Rome, yeah, Romans, because yeah, I like Romans. Um, I like Romans 8 is my favorite, by the way. Um, Romans 8, 16. I'm going to turn there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll end there. So, let me get to Romans. I'm going to start at 16. I could actually read all of Romans because it's so good, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> But it says, the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. For children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. If so, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. How many of you know that? It, I've read the book, and I know that he is glorified. And if I have to go through some suffering to get to the other side and I'm going to have to go through the suffering because I know, because if you read on this is for I reckon and I like that word reckon because it's like a southern thing, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, he said I've considered and pondered 
And I think that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I believe it. (laughs) Because no matter what I've gone through, it cannot be compared to what God has for me, in store for me, what he's promised me, what I know that he's promised me, and then what I don't even see and know that he has, he has out there for me. He blesses me with stuff I don't even know I need to be blessed with. And stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.